last week we talked a little about um, this idea that Advent launches us into adventure, right? Like it's no coincidence that those words are so similar. And um, I play, I've, again, today I played another video clip because anytime we can, I can get back into like adventure uh, movies, I confess last time that it's uh, my favorite genre. I love them. And I really like, like I like the Marvel movies. Those are kind of adventure, but I like the more r- sort of real, realistic adventures like Iron Will. Like this is like a, a thing that happened. So if you've never seen the show, it's like back in the 90s. It's on Disney+. Plus. So your homework today is to go and to watch. It's the perfect day to be to pretend you're in Alaska and you get to follow this group of um, sled dogs. So anyway, he's racing uh, against uh, against time uh, in this race to um, win the hundred dollar prize, which is a lot back then, uh, to save the family farm because his dad dies, right? And so it's just this epic adventure of him. And so this the clip that you watched was him like preparing for this, uh, for this big thing because he's a kid and the rest of the, the, the characters in this, the, the people that are in this race, are all like older adults who've been doing this forever. They like got like 75 pounds on this poor kid and he goes and he's gonna, gonna go to this race and it's awesome. And uh, I won't tell you anymore. I wanna tell you the whole thing and I'm like, be quiet, Carrie Rogers. Uh, you are gonna ruin it for everybody. But I, so I want you to think, keep thinking about that in your mindset of this sort of adventure. This when does Christ come into some of these situations in our life? If our life is this sort of grand adventure that we're all on, and we're in sort of these different aspects and different uh, parts of it, our adventures look a little bit different. But we all share sort of the same uh, cohesive uh, thing that brings us together, which is the love of Jesus. And so I sort of want you to think about that. This last trip that you went on, sort of the last epic adventure. And, and maybe for you, your epic adventure isn't, you're like, Harry Rogers, it's not very epic. Um, it's, I went on this trip to Florida and it was really great. That's fine. Uh, think about that last trip that you took, or maybe you're in the midst, if you're anything like me, and I know that I am, uh, this is the time of year I plan something. Like when it's like this outside, I'm like dream about the place that I'm going to go. Uh, and maybe you've got that, that you're planning for a trip, that you're that you're going to do something fun. Where are you going? Where did you go? Um, when you thought about preparing for that trip, what went into that? How did you decide where to go? Was it one of those, well, our kids are little, so we're going to go here, or our kids are older and we can go here, or we have enough money to go here, uh, because that's a pretty big driving force in some of our, our travels and things. And how to pack for these things. Do you ever have that friend of yours that you go with, or maybe that friend is you, and you're like, you're going for a weekend, and they come with like all the things. And you're like, how, how, what's happening? Like, how long are we going for? They've got like a rolling suitcase. I brought my, my friend Kelly, um, went camping for the first time with us when we were in college. And I threw like my stuff in just like a school backpack, right? Like it's a two day, no big deal, couple pairs of underwear and a toothbrush. And that's pretty much the things that you need. We went camping. She literally brought a rolling luggage suitcase camping. With us. I was like, what are you going to do with that? I don't, she was an overpacker. My friend Dawn says it this way. She says, pack, don't, uh, she goes, pack what you need, don't pack your fears. And I feel like people do that, right? They pack their fears of like worst case scenario. These are all the things that I'm, that I'm going to need. And does it depend on if I'm going to be in Florida? I'm going to need sunny stuff, but what if it gets cold? And then so you're trying to like think 
about all the things that you will incur depending on what kind of trip that you were going to go on because preparation for stuff is key, yes? The planners in the room are like, amen and amen. Um, I'm generally the person that has to like stop by the store, right? Because I forgot. One time I went on a trip recently, I forgot pants. I brought no pants. I brought all the things and I opened my suitcase up and I was like, hmm, there are zero pants. Pants are a thing that you need in places. So I had to go to the store and buy some new pants. Um, so being prepared is, is good. It is something I'm not very prepared uh, most of the time. Um, but so when you're, they're important when you're going on a trip, right? Especially if you are a parent who has young kids. So you also have to know everything that you're going to need and everything your kids are going to need. And they come with a lot more stuff. But it's this idea of being prepared. It's, the, it's why I showed you that particular clip this morning because it was all the things that Will is going to do to prepare himself for this epic adventure that he's about to go on. And so he's going to, he throws them out in the cold. They're in Alaska, so when he says it's cold, it's really cold. I think uh, just recently it was, what, like 60 below there? Like that's, we're talking cold, cold, right? But it's, it's to sort of get him ready for those nights where it's going to be freezing. And he starts to um, run more. He's, he's actually the one pulling the sled. So he's going to try to get his body in the right physical condition uh, to go on this epic journey. He's going to learn to sleep less because he's trying to figure out all the things that he is going to not measure up against some of the other guys, his weaknesses, and he's going to try to make up for those. He's going to try to make up for his weaknesses by being faster, stronger, all those kinds of things, being able to go at night where everybody else is sleeping. He's going to try to take advantage of all those things so that he can be as prepared as possible, so that he can work harder and he can be stronger and that he'll have a chance. Preparing is good. It is wonderful to be prepared for things. I love going with people that are that way because if you need something, they just magically, like I have a friend that magically pulls things out of her purse. You like mention that you need something. You're like, well, actually, it's like a Mary Poppins bag where they're like digging around. They're like, aha, I have this for you. And it's, it's fantastic. We have that in our Christian faith. So when we think about this analogy of this life as an adventure, we, at, we talk about it all the time that we prepare for things, right? We have our wonderful Christian disciplines that we talk about, meditation, prayer, reading scripture, fasting, giving thanks, serving all those things that are, are good for us that help us lead a life that prepares us for acts of service to the kingdom, right? They're the things that we do to help us to grow closer to God so that, that our hearts are more connected, that we become more in his image and in his likeness, more like Jesus. That's what we want. Because life is uncertain. We don't know what's around the next corner or the next bend, and that is, is scary to us, terrifying sometimes. Because we all have sort of these different trajectories and these different journeys that we're on. And some of you have been through difficult stuff. And some of you, maybe it's on the horizon. It's not a matter of if, it's when. Because that's the way life works. So we believe, right, that as Christians, part of being prepared for that is to sort of to soak all of those things in. To, to be as close to, to God as we can. To engage in those things that are, are for preparedness and readiness to do the work of the kingdom. And to be... Um, to be not moved by fear in the midst of those things in life that become scary and overwhelming, yeah? Some, some of you are on different stages of your adventure, right? Some, for some of you, 
Maybe you've recently gotten married, and that's new, and that's an adventure all in of itself, figuring that out together in your first year or two. Um, some of you have career moves that are happening. Maybe you've, uh, as a, uh, a, an, an adult, you've, you've completely changed careers in your life. You're like, okay, this is new. This is something I need to learn about. Um, maybe you're just fresh out of college and you've got something. You've entered grad school or you've got young kids and there's a season of life that is all about having young kids. Everything you do in your life revolves around keeping them alive and well and you don't have, a, the, your life isn't your own anymore. And that, that's this adventure that is both um, wonderful and harrowing, yeah? We have these different spots. Maybe some of you are empty nesters and you're uh, adjusting to that life. It's been about the kids for a long time and now it's, okay, it's just the two of us. What does that adventure look like? We get medical diagnoses that change um, our perspectives. We lose people that we love and it changes what we're dealing with, what we're going with, and those things are uncertain and they seem scary. We have seasons of, of doubt as part of our story, right? These seasons where you doubt yourself, you doubt the church, maybe Jesus and Christ himself. You're just, I'm not sure about it all. And it's unsettling. It's unsettling for you. It's often unsettling for your family to say, I, I don't know. But our life is just always going to be full of ups and downs, relationships, conflict, joy, hardship, and no amount of preparation makes us ready for everything. Boy Scouts have a model, a motto, right? Like, is it just be prepared? Always be prepared? I honestly have no idea. What is it? Boy Scouts, be prepared, just be prepared. Be prepared. Okay, that's a song. Um, Right, it's this idea that whatever comes your way, you're going to be prepared for. You're going to have the thing, the magic bag, and you're going to be prepared um, for any sort of scenario that could happen in the wilderness. But that just, it isn't a thing. So as, as much as we focus on this preparation part, it's important, but I don't think it's key. I don't think preparation is as key as we sometimes think it is. As a matter of fact, in our Christian life, and especially in our Christian circles. So if you're like me and you grew up in a Christian home, in a, in a Christian church, and you were surrounded by this wonderful community, that's an awesome thing, but there's, a, there's sort of a but. But also, we sort of spend our entire lives preparing, right? We do a lot of preparing for an adventure that we're not always willing to go on. Right? We plan and we prepare and we, we gather all the research and we figure out where we're going to go and what we're going to do and all the things, but we stay at home. We go to Bible studies and we join small groups and we train for the journey ahead of us, but we don't put it to good use always. It's this knowledge of preparedness that stays here and doesn't move to here or to here. And I think when you open up scripture, it never talks about a faith without action, right? A, a being prepared for, for everything and, and getting all the information and, and, and learning the things and having a heart that's close to God without movement. It just doesn't happen. Preparation is, in, is important, but it is pointless without action. So all good adventure stories have amazing action sequences, yeah? Yeah? It's the fight scene. It's the moment where it's sort of the culmination, the climax of, of the race. Are they going to win? Are they not? And it's, this, it's full 
of excitement, and it's full of action. Jesus says, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So at the end of the day, there has to be a harvest. The preparation has to lead to something, or you're just sitting with empty storehouses that you've prepared for, and you've done all the things, but there's no, there's no harvest. In order for our lives to have more meaning and purpose, there has to bear fruit. So if you have Bibles with you or devices, it'll also be on the screen. Uh, the scripture that I want you to look at for a minute today is John 15. And it's a familiar story, but, but this is one of those, I mean, Jesus is, is talking directly to his disciples at the time. And this is great encouragement for them. And I feel like it's just as great and just as powerful encouragement for us. And it's, we could spend a lot of time, I mean, this could be a sermon series if we just spent the time looking at John 15. We could talk about how important grapes were, right, back then, and how everybody, and that would be wonderful, and maybe we'll do that someday. But right now, I just want to get, get you to understand the stuff that punches you in the face, right? It's not, there's, this isn't a subtle piece of scripture. I don't, you don't need to have any special degrees to know 100% what you're supposed to grab from, from what Jesus is saying. So let's read it in its entirety. John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In some translations, it's abide. I love that word, to abide, abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Right? This is my command. Love each other. All the things that we talk about always boils down to that moment, right? So I want you to shift gears for a second. 
And I want you to go back to whatever adventure, vacation, trip, sort of you were thinking about that you went on, the one you're planning. What part about those trips do you love? What is it you love about going on vacation, having a good, a good trip, a good, a good time away? Because there's something in us that come alive when we're on vacation, right? It's this sense of freedom. Vacation is so good. It's this chance for you to unplug and get away from everything, right? We're the best versions of ourselves on vacation, I would say. Maybe there's some of you are like, that is not true about somebody I know. They might be sitting next to me. But vacation is normally for us, it's, we're, we're carefree, we're less stressed. Someone else is going to take care of things, right? Like that's the beauty of it. My dad, I think for the last 12 years, they've been going to this all-inclusive. My dad loves himself and all-inclusive. Why? And I get it, because you don't have to do anything. You wake up in the morning and leave your house in, in your, your room, and in somewhere, any time of day when you're hungry, food. There it is. Whatever you want. You can choose to, you know, get junk food or healthy food. or you can, I mean, it's just there, and you don't have to prepare or think about it. You don't have to go grocery shopping for it. When you're done, you leave, your ta- you leave the stuff on the table, and you're like, well, see you later. You don't take money out of your pocket. That's pretty awesome. And then when you come back to your room, the bed's made. And maybe there's a mint on your pillow. If you're in a fancy place, they've formed a towel into some sort of animal creature. And you're like, this is great. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to worry about anything. And there's, there's some of that that's just amazing because we spend a lot of time preparing and making sure that we have all the things we need, we need to do for us, for our family, for our kids. And that can become, that can become stressful. That can become burdensome. You know, we leave our phones in our rooms and we don't, we click off our work email so that things aren't popping up and constantly in our faces. Friends of mine, they're not hotel people, right? They're, Ryan and Karina are dear friends of mine and their idea of a good time is like a backpack and a toothbrush. And they just like go into the back country where they're, even if they brought their phones, they won't work. That's their sort of way to unplug and escape. They have to work harder in some ways because they got to pitch a tent and make the food and do all the things. But for that personality type, they love that. Being in nature means to commune with God in a different way and to be unplugged from the hustle and bustle. That's what we love about being on a trip. It's this thing in us that gets to just set everything down and feel relaxed. So what's so important about this passage? Why do we connect those two? Because this clearly tells us the onus isn't on us. The wonderful thing about trips that we love, that we get to just be carefree and we get to not worry as much, that's the same thing that God invites us to as we're on this journey and this adventure. As he says, I've got this. If you stick with me, if you stay with me, if you abide in me, I will do everything else. You can prepare and prepare and prepare, and some of those things are good and healthy, but when it's all said and done, Jesus says, I got this. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. We are the branches. God's our gardener, and he is cutting and pruning. And the life of that tree is in the vine and not the branches. So we know that as soon as the the branches are cut off from the vine, it dies. It withers up, and it dies, and it's no use because Jesus makes it so clear to his disciples, then and to us now, remain in me, abide in me, and I will remain in you. I'm your power source. 
Everything that you need, everything that you think you have to prepare for, I have for you and I will give it to you. You don't have to work so hard and train so hard and do all the things and try to prepare, 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 prepare. And then be sort of too afraid to move to the next step. He's like, I will give it to you. I am your power source. I am the vine. No branches can bear fruit by itself. You have to stay connected to the vine. Verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bearing fruit and being disciples are the same thing. One can't happen without the other. Can't be real disciples if those relationships aren't happening. If we're not pulling people along, saying, I know a guy who loves you desperately. There's nothing that is passive about an adventure story. That's an action statement. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There is nothing but action in that, right? Remember last week we said you have been saved from something, from your sins, but you're also saved for something. We talked about the Israelites, right? They were saved from Egypt, but they were saved for the promised land. They had to do things to get there. They had to follow and to trust and to move into that space. You are preparing yourself to participate in the life that God is calling you into. This participation part is often, I think, where we struggle. Because there's this fear in us that we're not going to do it right or do it well. And guess what? Maybe you, maybe you won't. It's, it's not about doing it right. It's doing it, to not do it is doing it wrong. That's the only way you're going to mess this up is to just choose to sit at home surrounded by brochures. I'm going to beat this analogy to death maybe a little bit. Right? You're participating. You don't have to work harder or try to be better. You don't have to run faster and sleep less. You have to remain in him. Jesus is confident that you are abiding in him. That if, if you abide in him, that that's your life source and that your life of action will cause you to bear much fruit. And his commandment, what you have to do, what is he calling you to? To love each other as I've loved you. And it's this really simple statement, but there's a ton of action that goes behind it and with it to carry what that means out. Can you even imagine for a second what our life, what this world, what this life would be like if all of us here and in other churches around the world would say we're all in? What would happen to Granville if just this community said we're all in? We're not going to get distracted. Scary things wouldn't seem so scary. Because I talk to you guys and, and you're scared of stuff. And I get it, I'm scared of stuff too. And the biggest thing we're scared of is that we're not enough. Is that we don't think that we have what it takes to do the next right thing. That we don't have what it takes to sit across a table from somebody and say, how are you? 
How can I encourage you? How can I love you? It's one of those things when I say, when I say the word that like, we need more life skills mentors, people freak out because I said the word mentor. And they're like, that's not me. I can't, I don't do those things. I'm not, I'm not qualified to do that. that. That freaks me out. That's not my thing. But what we're calling you to is to be in relationship with somebody. How can you not be qualified to point someone to Jesus? It's in your DNA. When you abide in him, you have everything you need. The branch doesn't need anything else but to be connected to the vine to bear fruit. How can you be unqualified? Jesus would say it's absolutely impossible. It's just completely impossible for you to be unqualified to do the greatest commandment is to love people and to love people well, to meet them where they are and say, I'm going to have a conversation with you. I'm going to invite you into something because Jesus loves me and I know desperately he loves you too. Why? Because he tells me. It's pretty clear. Every time I open up scripture, Love me and love my kids is what God keeps saying to us all throughout Scripture. What's holding you back from walking out your front door? What's the thing, name it for yourself, that's freaking you out from doing the action work of being bears of fruit? To be in relationship with somebody. And, and it doesn't have to be specifically you need to now today sign up to be a life skills mentor. I mean, that'd be great. Because here's an opportunity that we provide for you. Because if you are scared, it's like training wheels, right? We're going to give you everything that you need to do these things. But it's because we want you to live a life that's full of relationships, right? Because sometimes the easy part for us in our life is to do the preparation. Because when you're in a Christian circle with Christian people who you love and it's good, it's kind of the easy part is the preparation part. It's the part we love the most. Because we get to sit in small groups and share meals together and do all these wonderful things. And you should do that and you should keep doing that. But not for the sake of getting out your front door. Not for the sake of being overprepared and then not doing with it. To sit and be out of relationship with people. So you, you're prepared. You've packed well. <laughs> You have what you need. And Jesus calls you his friend. He could do this all by himself. He doesn't need us. But he invites us into this redeeming work that we get to do. You are part of his big plan to make all things new. You. You are. And we know that here, but I don't know, something stops between the here and the here to the here part. Where we go and we move and we walk and we, we make relationships and we live differently and we sacrifice some of the things that we love really, really dearly to go do the things that God calls us to do. You're his big plan. You're his secret weapon. And you know what your big plan is? What he's moving all of us to? Relationships. That's it. Everything we do is about relationships. So when you say it's not for me, I, I'm not, we, we have different skills and abilities, right? I'm not going to be the person to necessarily bring the meal. Ugh, it's going to be dicey. They're going to eat a lot of meatloaf, right? But you are all created for relationships. We are all created to be in relationships. We say this all the time. We're not meant to do it alone. 
or meant to be in relationships. You were made specifically for it. Praise God. There's nothing that you lack. And he says this, guys, in verse 12. My command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you, because greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. There is no secret. We know the end of the story. We know what happens. We know everything that we need. We already have. If we just embrace it, if we just move forward, if we're just saying fear, filter, 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 take a back seat. I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give it to you. All the things you're afraid of, ask. Not because you don't already possess it, because what you really need is peace. You need peace and confidence, and that's what I pray for myself, and that's what I pray for you, that you have peace and confidence to embrace the thing that God created you to be when you are connected, when you abide in him. And that's what we spend time doing together, being a, to abide in him. So it's not really an invitation. It's kind of like how I invite you back to your seat after halftime. It's a nice way of saying, if you could sit down and be quiet, that'd be great. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you into this. No, 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 I'm telling you, This is all I want you to do. This is all I care about that you do, is to love each other. And and love isn't a passive thing. This is a roll up your sleeves, be willing to get your hands dirty kind of love. And the beautiful part about this is the onus is not on you. You can't do it wrong. It's up to Jesus. We're connected with him. We abide in him. He is the source of all the light and all the life. And he has everything you need if you just stop freaking out. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are so ridiculously good to us. We are fearful of things we need not be afraid of. I feel like sometimes we, we can be like kids who are are scared of the dark because maybe something's in their closet. And as parents, we walk in and we we know there's nothing in their closet. But they have this deep belief that there is. And I feel like sometimes that's the heart of who we are. We have this fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty, fear of the dark. God, but we know that, that your light and your love outshines the darkness. It outshines the, the things that we are uh, fearful of, that we, the unknown, the things we're uncertain of. God, if, if life is this journey, this adventure that you call us to, we expect surprises and we expect ups and downs. But God, I just pray that, that for us, for your people, that we will choose to abide in you, that we will choose to believe in your love above all things, that that will, will be louder than the fear, louder than our sense to over-prepare and over-pack for the things that you've already called us to. You've given us everything that we need. You promise us that you won't leave us or forsake us. 
that we, all we need to do is call on you. That you've made us for relationships. You've made us to, to, to live with each other, to, to point each other to you. And God, I just pray that we can, we can have that confidence, that you give us the, the peace, that you, you calm our, our nerves, you calm those things in us that say, I'm not, I don't know, I don't know if I know enough or if I'm good enough or if I've got it, if I'm ready. I just pray that you just, you settle those things, you quiet those things, that we can claim confidence and truth uh, because of who you say you are and who you promise us that you will be and who you've been. God, that we can have minds that remember that not only when we open scripture and we realize where you've taken your people and how you led them out of Egypt, out and into the promised land, and you've been with your people time and time again, but God, that we remember it in our own lives, how you've healed people, how people had these diagnoses and, and, and you healed them, and there you were, and how people went through um, difficult, difficult things and how you um, put marriages back together, that we can remember those things, that we can share stories so that we can remember your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we thank you for who you are and who we get to be when we stand in the light of Jesus and help us to move to places of action because that's what you call us to, not to sit idly by, but to get in the game. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen.